Radio. This is Catholics Read on cradio.org.au. Welcome to this episode of Catholics Read. I'm Luke. And I'm Kiara. And I'm Victoria. And in this episode, we are reading uh, an essay by um, a patron saint, patron venerable of Cradio, Venerable (laughs) Fulton Sheen. I don't know when you're allowed to say that kind of thing, but anyway, we like him and uh, I'm sure he's interceding for us. Um, On, yes, Scandal. Uh, Is it just called On Scandal? No, it's just Scandals. It's just Scandals. Scandals. Been very dramatic there, I think. Yeah, it yes. is. It is. Yes. We should reverb that. Scandals. <laughs> Scandals. Um, Actually, yeah. as a side note, when you when you texted me and said that we should that the scandal one was the best one, I read it as sandals. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's written an essay on sandals. Why That's not? Great. <laughs> I don't know. Not quite. So okay. to give you the summary, yeah, give a summary. The thing in itself is a summary. It's very short. Yeah, it is. Yes, it, it is, is quite, very it is quite short. short. Uh, we'll, put uh, to, we'll put a link to the. We'll put a link to the mm. um, essay so you yeah. can go read it yourself. Venerable Archfulton uh, J. Sheen uh, just talks about the nature of scandals in the church and the implications of these scandals and what they tell us about uh, those within the church, those without the church, and um, the nature of the church. The nature of the church in general. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's it's almost like uh, an apologetic piece, I guess you could say. I mean, it sort of goes from apologetic to polemic towards mm. the end. Mm. Um, from the idea that the church uh, is not truly the church because she has sinful members or has historically and continues to have sinful members. Uh, and then a polemic against those who attempt to accuse the church of that and how that reveals in itself something about the nature of the church. Um, it looks at both scripture uh, and then also, I guess, the, the the present-day church and also, I guess, the Renaissance popes mm. um, a, a little bit. It, it, mainly, it doesn't go into, like, it doesn't attempt to... It doesn't. He's not, he's not specifically naming names except Alexander IV. <laughs> um, yes, fourth. except okay. Alexander IV, who we can all agree was just a... I actually... Oh. I'm just going to put it out there. I haven't got a clue about Alexander IV. I'm assuming... The only things that I know about him is that I'm guessing he's, like, Assassin's Creed took all their ideas about the papacy from him. Is that and, the one that the Borgias is um, based that, on? The TV show that. with Jeremy That's Irons? pretty yes, much it. Yes, and the Borgias... That TV show quite ta- quite tame, tames the uh, Borgias, but the Borgia family, believe it or not. There were some huh. sick, really? sick, sick puppies. But Alexander IV effectively tried to turn the papacy into a monarchy, including naming his 11-year-old... Ill- it, it illegi- uh, but, but I know what you mean, yes. Yes, he tried to turn the papacy into a monarchy and into a hereditary monarchy. Yeah, and yeah. so he named his 11-year-old son his successor and the poor kid perished rather unpleasantly in the political turmoil that followed um, when wow. Alexander IV died. So, yeah, he was not... He, generally, he was not a pleasant character. But having said that, for all his unpleasantness, he never messed with the doctrine. There and was no the new thing. doctrine mm. promulgated... Under his name, so he was peckable but infallible. He was well, mm. yes, to use Sh- Fulton Sheen's words. words. Yeah. To use Fulton Sheen's words. Um, so I think to give you a sense of what he sounds like, I quite like this paragraph. 
Turning to the scandal of bad Catholics, it must be remembered that our Lord no more expected to have every member of his church perfect than he expected to have perfect apostles. That is why he said on the last day that he would throw out the bad, the bad fish out of his net. Some Catholics may be bad, but that does not prove the mystical body is wicked any more than because a few Americans who sell themselves to Russia proves that America is a race of traitors. Our fa- this is written in the 1950s. Mm. Our faith is- increases responsibility, but it does not force obedience. It increases blame, but it does not prevent sin. If some Catholics are bad, it is not because they are members of Christ's mystical bodies, but because they are not living up to its lights and grace. And that's essentially a summary of the entire mm. essay, I think, which he just keeps hammering home. He's got a lovely turn of phrase, actually. He Look, the way he writes, I don't know if it's just conducive to my meditations and understanding of the world, but it is so good. Mm. The way he writes, like, for instance, there's a bit, I found it poetic, gr- not grotesque, that's not correct, um, very, very maybe ugly in its imagery, but very beautiful in how it's written and uh, the symbol of it. Uh, Where is it? Uh, Okay, so he's talking about how um, our Lord himself was a scandal in that he, uh, his disciples believed him to be God and yet he was crucified, perished on a cross the moment he was told to uh, prove himself. That's what he's talking about, about how his body, his body as in the church will, um, why shouldn't we suffer a similar scandal, more or less? He says the Old Testament prophecy fulfilled on Calvary was not uh, was that not a bone of his body would be broken. His flesh would hang like purple rags about him. Wounds like poor dumb mouths would speak their pain with blood. Pierced hands and feet would open up torrents of redemptive life. But his substance, his bones, they would be sound. Now, while the message there is it, the analogy is so palpable and uh, beautiful, it was really just the imagery he was using there. And you can see this in his other pieces of writing. And he understands, I suppose, the agony of our Lord's crucifixion. Because, and you can, he's, he's, he also studied a lot of poetry and literature, so maybe that's where he gets his flair for describing these things from. Oh, I mean, look, but he, was, a, he was an amazing communicator. And it really makes you contemplate it. Like, listen, again, um, his flesh would hang like purple rags about him. Mm-hmm. You can just sit with that for like seven holy hours. It's kind of gross. It's it's gross, yes, <laughs> but but real. Mm-hmm. I just thought I'd make a point on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it's like watching the Passion of Christ. If you don't cry your eyes out watching the Passion of Christ, I don't care if you're an atheist or anything. Just the sheer violence and the graphicness of that. What? <laughs> Sorry, I should I should explain that. No, no, no. I mean, I didn't. I didn't cry my eyes out. I was. I found it horrifying and horrible and and deeply, deeply moving and meditative. But I didn't cry my eyes out. It's okay. We all have different um, responses. To... Yeah, but to not have an emotional. Yeah, that's very, very say. emotional. I didn't just sit there that. like, oh, like it wasn't like. Yeah, I, there's, there's, I don't there's, know how there's anyone... so much I could say about that. Yeah, yeah. The, the only the, I don't know how I, like my parents fast forwarded through because I saw it when I was like twelve. So they actually fast forwarded through the flogging scene, which is probably the most oh, awful. It goes for like half an hour, and it's just you know literally beats you you know beats you emotionally as hard as poor Jesus yeah. is beating like being beaten there. I actually know of an atheist, um, the sister of a friend of mine, who um, saw the film and then bought the film. And keeps it with her, like in her apartment, because mm. she thinks it's such a beautiful film. Yeah, it well, not not in that 
not not in that way. Just like she recognizes that there's something the quality of the, so, cin- of the cinema. I don't know, redemptive in it or something. She recognizes that there's something very beautiful about yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's a bit like how there was. Um, I mean, just because it happens to have that? just because it happens to have Jesus in it doesn't mean it's not see, a technically was, and beautifully told story. Yeah, that was that was one of those frustrating things that I saw a couple of Catholic commentators come out about when. Um, is it 12 Years as a Slave? Is that what it's 12 called? 12 Years a Slave. 12 Years a Slave came out and comparing about how essentially 12 Years a Slave is basically the same film um, except taking place um, during African slavery in, in the United States and seeing how the same outlets who panned The Passion of the Christ for being basically... Um, Too religious... No, 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 no. Not on the religious aspect. Um, basically being a, like a snuff film uh-huh. was the accusation. And then 12 Years a Slave is like this beautiful film. And it's like it's basically the same level of violence. Hang on a second. Like the only difference is that one happens to be religious. Yeah. But anyway, all of that, all of that aside, um, returning, returning to, to Scandal, um, yeah, I found I found it to be quite quite an interesting uh, an interesting read, and I'm not entirely sure where to where to go with it. Um, I had so many thoughts while reading it, and and I don't know what I want to say. I guess one of them is trying to. Um, there's a number of, of risks or some uh, some mistakes that we can make in attempting to try and do an apologetic that Venerable Fulton Sheen has done here um, for the scandals in the church, and I think they can often be quite dangerous. Um, in the sense that this is just something I thought of while I was reading it. There was, um, I've heard this analogy used before and I'm really not sure about it. Uh, Venerable Fulton Sheen touches on it, but doesn't quite pull, pull it through. Uh, is this analogy. So when people say, oh, how can the Catholic church be real? You know, how can you, sorry, or rather, how can you remain a Catholic if the church, if people in the church have done so many bad things? The analogy that sometimes people use to say, well, hang on a second, you're not very consistent with that, is, well, hang on a second, the government of Australia has done many horrible things in the past, not least of which we could say uh, is the treatment of Indigenous people and, in some cases, the treatment of Indigenous people and refugees today, yet you still remain an Australian citizen. The problem that I have with this analogy, while it attempts to try and break that, that thought pattern which says that you can't be a member of something that does bad things or has done bad things or attempts to separate the bad things that some have done with the not conflating the bad things that with, someone with has done with the entirety of the concept say your the risk, nationality the the, the, the the risk that I find with with that uh, with that is that the the, di- the difference is is that Australian is not the same as the Catholic Church. See, the Catholic well, Church is a real thing. Uh, if, no, if you attempt to try if and... You, well, let me try... Let, let's look at it this way. A nationality is ultimately a constructed concept. That's what I mean. A exactly. nation-state will come into being and it will pass out of being. Mm. Like, uh, you know, and it could turn at the drop of the hat. Like, tomorrow there could be a revolution and we could be, I don't know, na- you know, Martians because someone decides that's our new nationality. Like, that's that, that you know, nationalities... While they have sort of roots in ethnicity and roots in religious traditions and roots in what you know cultural traditions or whatever it is, geography, geography, yeah, so I mean, geographic locations, ethnicities, all that sort of. While they have those kind of elements, the way they combine is ultimately a constructed reality. 
and it can be deconstructed as easily as it reconstructed. And Catholicism is not the same. See, and that's and that's religious my identity is, that is not a, the same. We can have a tendency of in our attempt to try and say that that people's actions within the Catholic Church do not constitute the Catholic Church. We're ultimately saying exactly the same thing as our accusers are. Mm. The Catholic Church is ultimately this nominal thing that isn't really divine. I think a better um, I think a better analogy would be is like, well, you've got family members that do bad things, but you're still family. And in the sense, but you're still yeah. family, and whilst you may not necessarily condone or approve, or you know, you might hate their guts, for example, as a result of you know, as a result of their, and rightly so, as a result of their sin. But ultimately, you are still bonded by blood. There is nothing you can do to change that. And See, in the same, the problem, I mean, look, I, all analogies break down eventually. But, but, there's, but, there's but a, family, key, I think, is a better idea because the, it's the not key, constructed. The it's key, not constructed. The key problem I find with that, and it's it's hard it's hard to find analogies with this because I think there is nothing else like the Catholic Church, and I don't think there's any other institution that makes exactly the same claim that the Catholic, aside from, of course, the Orthodox Church. But let's just put them all together. For, yes. for the moment, um, the church, the church which Christ instituted. Um, be careful with that, Luke. Um, <laughs> the, the the problem is that I was re- I remember reading an article a number of years ago by um, by a woman who I won't name because I don't want to be a scandalous or rumor mongering or anything like that. <laughs> but she was talking. About, it was this article about why she remains Catholic, and. She, I remember reading it and just being so completely unsatisfied by it that it kind of felt like, look, the Catholic Church has done so many horrible things and they're so backwards in their thinking. But, you know, it it ultimately came down to kind of, well, I was raised that way and so I'm kind of just here. And to me, that's like... Like, Why are you here then? Wait, hang on a second. (laughs) Like, that's not what the Catholic Church is. And this is the thing that, that, that I think the Church really is facing up to today, especially in the West, is that we don't have the assumptions that we had 50, 60, 70 plus years ago within the Catholic Church, that is that you're born, you're baptised, you go through the sacraments, you're Catholic. You go... We don't don't have that kind of cultural presumption, that cultural environment which fosters Catholicity that allows you to say what this woman said, which is that, well, I guess I'm kind of Catholic kind of like, because I was always there. It's kind of like you saying, well, really my mother's Jewish, it. therefore I'm Jewish. Exactly. exactly. Whereas Even that, though you're an atheist, yeah. for example. That's yeah. a really good... Actually, that's a really good one. Um, so, it, and again, Judaism... I mean, I've got a friend of mine who's... I've got a friend who's an Orthodox Jew and he was, talk, he was talking about sort of the exact same things and the struggle they're having within Judaism between, you know, with sort of... The struggles within um, between Orthodox, you know, sort of Orthodox or more active Jews that own their faith, whether they're conservative, reform, or um, Orthodox, versus sort of the much larger group of cultural mm. Jews. Mm. And I mean, I also have I also have another acquaintance who's a South African Jew, but she's atheist. Yeah, like pretty yeah. much, it, it, it's a cultural or an ethnic identity as opposed to a. Um, as opposed to a actual living, breathing faith experience. And see, this is this is this is the thing because I don't want to. This this is gonna, I'm going to be really annoying and not actually come to any conclusions to the arguments because it's just been so since I've been reading it, it's just been circling around in my head because there's a lot of problems with what we're talking about here and trying to untangle them because it's so easy to fly off into different directions because scandal's a horrible thing. Oh, yeah, especially when they involve things like pedophilia from celibate men who should know better um, and should do better. And, 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 on, and, not on just, and political corrupt, whatever. Name it. You name it. We've done it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you yeah. name it. Catholics have done it. Well, yeah. Okay. I'll go with that. Um, <laughs> Some Catholic somewhere has done it. Yeah. 
yeah, I, th I think one of the big issues that, that we have to face here um, with with regards to scandal is that a lot of the time scandal comes about, I think, because people don't quite understand what religion or what faith, and specifically the Catholic faith, actually is. It reminds me of this misattributed um, Pope Francis quote that was going around. I don't know if you saw it. There was this there was this quote going around that was saying, um, to quote this, like it had a picture of Pope Francis, and the quote was along the lines of something like, um, I don't think that the traditional concept of God uh, is relevant anymore and that you can be a good person and not believe in God and things like that. Now, I, Pope Francis never actually said that. It was no, really horrible. No, that's not something he would ever say. Yeah, but <laughs> it was... I remember when I, when I was reading that, and the thing that I found most frustrating about it is that it it's again it doesn't actually come from Pope Francis, so don't don't worry about this. But there's there's a lot of this emphasis these days on um, I'm spiritual but not religious. Yeah, and, oh, and yes. this kind of thought that that religion is ultimately it's this reduction of religion and specifically a reduction of Christianity to ultimately simply being a set of metaphysical propositions and a kind of do-it-yourself... Morality uh, morality, toolkit. Morality boot camp mm. kind of thing. And that's it. That's all religion is. So, really, you can be an atheist because, let's face it, every human being has a metaphysical outlook whether they like it or not. And, well, I can be a good person as an atheist, so I don't need to be a Catholic. What's the point? I'm doing it a lot better than a lot of those Catholics are. But that's not what Catholicism is. No. That's not what Christianity is. And Christianity you could, uh, and you... is, not, is not that. It involves those things. It involves a metaphysical proposition, set of metaphysical propositions. It most certainly involves morality. But what it involves most um, importantly um, is a relationship with our Lord. Because yeah, that's a relationship why with a, a relationship with the living God. Absolutely. And that's why people... I think I've said this on this show before, perhaps, that... Um, a friend of mine who was formerly non-religious was talking about the frustration that, that she has in people saying to her, wow, it must be so amazing having such a big conversion like you did. And she's like, no, okay, yes, it's wonderful that I had a big conversion, but I missed out so much of my life and messed up so much of my life because I wasn't, because I wasn't faithful. Um, it would have been so much better if I had been faithful all my life. People just look at the the wondrous, wonderful conversion experience. And I think that touches on really where people get mis mixed up with this scandal thing is that if they look at the Catholic Church and think that what the Catholic Church is claiming is that join us, you'll become a good person, then of course they're gonna say, Well, you know, I'm not gonna touch I'm not gonna touch that because I can be a good person without it. No, that's not that's not our proposition. Our our proposition is come and live in love. Exactly. Li and you, you know, will, let you me will come become... let me love you, as creepy as that sounds, but that's literally <laughs> what Jesus is saying to you. Yeah, you will become you will become you, a as better a result, person. you'll become you will, a better and person. And I certainly have, I don't know about everyone else here, but I certainly have, I think, I hope, only the Lord can judge me on that, but become a better person through the power of the sacraments and through the teaching of the Catholic Church. But that said, that's not all the Catholic Church is. And any attempt to try and reduce the Catholic Church that ultimately leads to scandal because it misidentifies what the Catholic Church is claiming to say. The Catholic Church is not claiming to say, become Catholic, you'll be perfect, look at all us. Nowhere in scripture, no. in tradition, and in magisterial teaching has the church ever said that if you become baptised, if you are baptised and confirmed into the Catholic Church, you will suddenly become a perfect person. No one said that. Proof of that is all the Venerable Fulton Sheen, Sheen says. Is just, and in fact, about. exactly what happens after our Lord institutes the Eucharist. 
what happens after our Lord institutes the Eucharist? Everyone runs off. Yeah. He just made the first priests within the Catholic Church. And they all bug it off scared out of their scared out of their eyeballs. Only John the Beloved stays behind. And kind one of like betra- one betrays distance. him, one denies him, and the rest run off. Yeah. Yeah. Go go hide Never claimed ever in the Catholic Church. <laughs> uh, that you and honestly, perfect. you and honestly, you just if you read the Acts of the Apostles and the struggles and the fights and the, the it's letters, just the letters scandal Paul, after scandal. Quite the, letters, the letter of St Paul to the Corinthians is Dr Robert Tilly talks about how scripture is not for children. And <laughs> no, is it's per- not. The letter of St Paul, first letter of St Paul to the Corinthians is a perfect example of that. Wow. Yeah. The stuff that they were doing. You think doing, we have problems now? Oh, yeah. That nothing much has changed in we 2,000 years. We, Disclaimer, yeah. please read your Bibles to your children. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, no. Sorry. Read, 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 scripture. <laughs> read scripture to your children. Perhaps not the letter of St. Paul of the Corinthians. Which one? Yeah. The first or the second one? The first. The first one. Um, perhaps be selective. Because Noah's Ark is really... a good start. Yeah. Well, <laughs> really? I, they were doing some pretty horrible things as well. See, that's that's the thing. And anyway, um, I'll, I'll finish my thought on that yes. there because I can no, just the keep point going is, and, going and Fulton and Sheen says that there's a reason that our Lord chose Peter. Peter, who right after was called the Rock, uh, then said, "Lord, you shouldn't be suffering. Uh, you know, heaven forbid that." And he said, "You know, get behind me, Satan." Mm. Instead of John, John who was faithful at the cross, John who we're assuming. Um, took Mary into her home and lived with her for many, many, many years it was like in a, holiness. It was, was literally like a blood sibling. Yes, a, there's, sibling a, and son. there's a reason Peter was chosen to be Pope and not John. He's just such a... Peter, he's just such <laughs> a funny... St. Peter is such a Actually, funny guy. can I make a plug for like, a book here? Um, Timothy... Uh, uh, Archbishop or Bishop Timothy Dolan? Cardinal. Cardinal Timothy Dolan. Um, wrote an excellent book. I can't remember what it's called. It's called Lord to Whom Shall We Go or To Whom Shall We Go? And it's basically learning from St. Peter. And he just pulls out like all the most embarrassing things about Peter and all the things we can learn from him. <laughs> and there's a long so list. Many, like it doesn't, it, like, after, uh, even after the resurrection, he's still doing silly stuff. Yeah, St. Paul like cock-ups. rebukes him because he's more concerned about looking good in front of his Jewish friends <laughs> than actually preach, like than actually living the gospel. And, and, this, is, and, this, is, go, and this is St. Paul. Telling him that, telling him off. Sir Paul, who like wasn't even there, and Peter listened to him. Some Paul, who was the one persecuting the Christians because yeah, they, weren't, they weren't good enough Jews, didn't actually know Jesus or anything. Like, you know, like it's but there's, just, this, there's this beautiful tradition. I'm not sure how true it is, but there's this beautiful tradition. I think that really highlights um, Saint Peter that it really took until the last moment, and um, our Lord kind of prophesied prophesies this in the, uh, at the end of St. John's Gospel where he says that when you're old, you'll have a belt put around you and taken where you do not want to go, which is ultimately his crucifixion. Um, upside down upside crucifixion. Down. And there's this kind of beautiful, tra- again, I don't know how true it is, but this is beautiful tradition of that um, the Romans were basically after the very old St. Peter. Yeah. And he was off. He was running. He <laughs> yeah, wanted to get away. Quite, yep. And he gets. He to this was going, point. walking been, down been, the Appian Way. He was, yeah, on, yeah, he was dead, going there. down the Appian Way. I've been there too. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful the ch- spot. There's a church there. There's catacombs up the road as well. And um, he looks and sees and sees Jesus walking in the walking other the other direction with his cross, like with a cross, basically in the crucifixion, walking out of the other direction. And he says, "My Lord, what, what are you? What are you doing? Where and are you said, going? Yeah, where are you Quite going?" Artists. Sorry, Quo Vadis. Okay, I don't know the. I don't yeah, yeah, know yeah. Quo Vadis. Yeah, there's a book. There's a book and a movie and all. Oh, okay. uh, 60s movie. Ep, you know, oh, there epic you go. movie. I didn't there, know yeah, that. it's called Quo Vadis. And he and he says, you know, well, you won't, you won't die for me, so I'm going to do it myself. 
That's basically. <laughs> Pack your bags, St. Peter. You're going on a guilt trip. <laughs> That's pretty much... Yeah, I, I guess. It's like the and ultimate this... guilt trip. And so St. Peter basically turns around and goes, well... Okay. Okay. And goes, this is, I guess, what's going to have to happen. And he's captured, um, crucified upside down, and... On we, we should we should make a point. He gets crucified upside down because he says, "I'm not worthy to be crucified the same way that mm. Jesus was." Mm. Wow. The Romans were only too happy to oblige the sick. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we could we could keep we could keep talking about this because that Caravaggio painting is fantastic. Oh yes, How wonderful. Which is on the front cover of the Dolan book. Okay, there we go. There you go. Well, there you go. Anyway, but I guess why why am I talking about that? I guess it's because that is ultimately what the Catholic Church is about is that we're a bunch of mess we're a bunch of stuff ups that's the point <laughs> that is our come whole join. point I- is that we are a bunch of stuff ups so come, we, we come mess join up the all club. the time that's why we have confession that's why we have the eucharist that's why we don't believe in once saved always saved that's exactly why the catholic church has what it is because it is a slog that's what mm. it is. You get baptized and your take it, original sin is removed. But it's But you still got to deal with all the other mess. The scars still there. That's why you, it's a, it's a relationship. It's a loving relationship. It's exactly why, you know, you don't get married and die on the spot. No. <laughs> you live a life. Wow. You'd hope not. Well, no. We're not we're not we're not black widow spiders or something. Like yeah. it's, you know, we <laughs> That's <laughs> a really bad analogy, I think, cuz spiders kind of don't get married. They don't get married. They don't get married. And humans don't eat each other. Um, <laughs> generally speaking. Generally speaking. We try not to. Um, and, but, but, my, but my point is, is that it's, a, it's meant to be a relationship of love. And that relationship of love needs to, be, needs to be proven. It will be different for every single person. The Catholic Church is there to have, to inst- I guess, to be that um, institution the, the sacrament, I guess you could say. The sign of the hope. Sign it's a sign of hope. Of that relationship with Christ, because it's the mystical body of Christ. And that's something that Archbishop Fulton Sheen keeps... Reiterating. Keeps mm. reiterating, is that it's the... And that's that's the vision of the church that we need to have. The church is not a kind of um, do-it-yourself, get-help program. It, the church it's not is not a, and simply some kind of like... And it's not an organisation of moral police either. Yeah, it's not moral police. It's not a community of like helping us feel good about ourselves or anything like that. Ah, we wish. It's, <laughs> it's because you won't. You won't feel good about yourself in the Catholic Church. Not all the um, time anyway. But but you'll have that hope and that's exactly what you said. Yes. Um, but it's meant to be the mystical body of Christ. The, it's funny, in, in the early church, it was the other way around, like the, the opposite way around. The Eucharist was the mystical body of Christ and the church was Corpus Christi. And then they changed the, the terms huh. around, which is interesting. Um, but, yeah, it's because it's mm. basically, it doesn't really matter that much. But it's just interesting how, um, yeah, that that's ultimately where this whole scandal problem comes from, I think, personally, and, and in reading this is a misidentification of what the Catholic Church actually is. Is that if you think that the Catholic Church is going to be a group of perfect people, then you're going to be You're going to be very, very disappointed. But, but as C.S. Lewis put it in our first episodes of this show, you know, that... Oh, so long ago. That was so long ago. Wow. That while you may be able to find a Christian person who's worse than an atheist that atheist would be a better person if he was a Christian, to kind of paraphrase what C.S. Lewis mm. said. Yeah, I mean, just to to think, I mean, one of my, fa- I mean, when I was reading this, the constant, like, person that sort of 
came up in my head was Evelyn Waugh. Okay. Yeah. Throughout this whole, like, reading this whole thing. And Evelyn Waugh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, he was an athe- atheist and very, very anti-religion. He also has a lot of problems. He also had, he was an alcoholic, he was a alcoholic, uh, a brilliant writer, one of the best literary figures of the 20th century, I think. Um, he's written books like Brideshead Revisited, um, Helena, like a whole, a whole, he's got a whole corpus of absolutely amazing work. But he com- he very, very controversially and stunningly converted to Catholicism mm. um, at the behest, of, you know, after, you know, after being mentored by by G.K. Chesterton, believe it or not. Um, and it was it was Chesterton uh, and Roll and um, Roland, Ronald, Ro- Ronald Knox. Yeah, Roland, yeah. Roland Knox, Ronald, 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 Ronald Knox, yeah. our Father yeah. Ronald Knox's influence as well, and um, and so Evelyn, and but when Evelyn War converted to Catholicism, his struggles didn't end. He still struggled with every problem that he had before his, you know, before he was baptized. He still struggled with drinking. He still struggled with, you know, drinking and whoring and whatever it is, you know, whatever else. Well, all the long list of his sins. And he is quoted as being accosted by some, you know, hoity-toity woman say, uh, you know, saying, you are a really unpleasant person to, you know, something to that effect. And Evelyn Waugh says, Madam, if you think I'm an unpleasant person now, just imagine if I wasn't a Catholic. And, yeah. you know, boom, drop the mic. Yeah. <laughs> um, mic drop. You know, because even Evelyn Waugh, despite how much he struggled with being a Catholic, he wouldn't have had it any other way. Yeah. He wouldn't, and he, w- and he was smart enough to realise that. And I think, I think that's one of the... That's one of the things that I think... And he's, like, my favourite person to go to when I'm having a really bad day. Because I'm just like, if Evelyn Waugh can do it, I can do it. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Archbishop Archbishop Julian Poitiers. No. Archbishop Fulton (laughs) Sheen points out is that um, at the the end of the day, this is is one of these problems with scandal is that it's such a a confused argument um, that the idea that the Catholic Church can't be true because people sin... But hang on a second, we're the ones saying that sin exists. That's why we're Catholic. Anyway, um, what one of one of the things that I guess that he's perhaps trying to bring bring across with this is that the Catholic Church gives that um, that model, I guess, for us to strive for. It offers us the sacraments in order to strive for that, and that's part of the reason, deep down, I think, why people attack Catholicism for its scandals is because it it has it holds up such a high standard for itself. Yeah, we we, we shoot ourselves in the foot sometimes. Really yeah. really we do. But but I'm so I'm I'm so I'm so glad that that we do hold up such a high standard because that's a because we have the highest possible standard that we could that anyone could possibly think of. We have God incarnate. There is no higher standard that you could possibly have than that. Does that mean that we're a bunch of um, scrupulous? No, no. no Hopefully not. If our Lord is a spiritual is, director. Well, yes, because our our Lord became incarnate, so it allows us to not have this kind of silly notion that we're a bunch of we're a bunch trapped of in bodies meat sacks. and that the yeah or anything like that. We need to be liberated from us. our meat sacks. No, 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 no. no. Your meat we, sack we is good. To... Yes, absolutely. Your meat sack is beautiful. Your meat sack is good and beautiful. There we go. There's a quote for it. Um but yeah, it's that that's I guess that's I guess the the beautiful thing about 
about the church is that she is so broken, but it's in her brokenness that we can see God's grace. You know, and that's and that's where St. Paul's quote comes in, or St. Paul quoting our Lord, um, saying to him, you know, that it is, it, is in, it is when you are weak that you are strong. Or yeah. St. Paul, when he is weak, that the Lord is strong. Um, and I guess that's that's the same thing with the Catholic Church. And so we're facing a lot of problems at this time in the Catholic Church. But that does not negate the Catholic Church's because we've always Catholicity. had problems. We've always had problems. And there's as long all, you know as what? humanity is involved been... in this matter before the Second Coming, there will and Fulton to Sheen be problems. And Fulton makes the point of asking, what if there weren't scandals as you'd want it to be? And he says this. If the mystical body, that being the church, were as perfect as the scandalized would have it, would not her very perfection accuse and condemn us who are not saintly? Too high an ideal often repels rather than attracts. She would be so saintly that she would no longer allure ordinary mortals. She might even appear to struggle soul, uh, to the struggling souls as terribly Puritan, easily scandalized at our failings, and might even shrink from having her garments touched by sinners like ourselves. Gone then would be the hope for those who are unholy or in sin. No! Exclamation point. The mystical body with none but perfect members would be a stumbling block. Then, instead of us being scandalized by her, she would be scandalized by us, which would be far worse. It's, in, it's interesting because the church has historically and continues to have people who do believe that the church should be... A country club for saints. A country club for saints. And I'm reading, I'm reading at the moment, if you brought up Monsignor Robert Knox, I'm reading his enthusiasm at the moment. And he was talking about there was, in, in, the, in the Middle Ages, um, there was, is it pronounced Catharism? Ca- Catharism. Catharism. Um, and that was basically, it, it means the pure ones, the pure. Um, and they did believe that, that you, once you went through this kind of quasi-sacrament thing that they had, that you... Like a catharsis or something? Is that where you get the word no, from? No, I guess no, no. I, poss- possibly Maybe. it's Never a mind. similar thing because it means pure. And I think that then Sorry. means like emptying. I'm not sure how etymolo- etymologically... I think it's a similar... Never similar, mind, continue. Not Sorry. necessarily in this case. Um... Cathars. Yes, yes. So they they kind of had this idea that um, that you were perfect. That, that once you had this kind of again quasi sacrament, you became perfect. Now here's the problem: next to nobody had that sacrament before they were just about to die, because everyone knew that you wouldn't stay that, you that wouldn't way. Last. And there were there were then the problems of the the fact that where would confession fit in? This is this is I guess the development. All right, it's it's in it's in the development of the church. There's these splits that go off, but this was a reaction. Ultimately, ultimately of course, we don't have them today. Well, we don't have them specifically today no, within not, the church not... because it it it, dis- it disappeared well. because it went off into wacky land. You know, they they had said that we are the pure ones. No one's like us. Well, one next to no one could live up to that standard, and two, the doctrine just could not be lived. It's impossible um, because it's not true. But that was a reaction. Them uh, and the um, uh, Albigensians yep. um, of a similar similar period were both a reaction to the the increasing worldliness and opulence of the church. So there was a good rea- I guess it was a good starting point, which was well, that they- look, there's scandal in the church. But then it went off into wacky land. Then it went off into into this kind of exactly what. Um, Archbishop Fulton Sheen says there, which is, you know, this this country, you said country club, Chiara, for saints. Um, 
But it's not true. That's not what the church is. It's not what the church has ever been, and it never will be that way. Because at the end of the day, we live in a fallen world. we just got to deal with that, and we have to rely on the sacraments. We have to do our best. We have to try not to sin. But we can't say that the church no longer exists in the point where someone commits a sin. Yeah. Because that's, that's something that's always been there. It was there with the Donatists... Towards was, the beginning. That's like saying and the hospital's today. not, like, you know, worth anything because there's a sick person in there. Like, yeah, that's the whole point. Well, yes, it is. It is. But we have we have this, you know, throughout history. And I, I, I tend to think today we're seeing it quite a bit, and I say this with a bit of trepidation, with a lot of people how they're reacting to, to Pope Francis or how they're reacting On to abuses... Yeah, but, um, but specifically, like, with abuses of the liturgy and things like that, that they have claimed that, well, look, there's horrible liturgy in the church. People have just messed it all up. I guess the church, I guess the seat is vacant. There's no real pope. I guess the church abandoned itself in the Second Vatican well, Council. But then again, but if it's practiced perfectly in one instance, does that suddenly make it valid again? No, no, what, yeah. what I, I guess, I guess my, my, my point is, is that this kind of thinking never quite goes away in the church. And it comes back to the same problem, that the scandalised, that is the people on the opposite end of the spectrum, the Protestants, the atheists, and so on and so forth, have. We can have that in the extreme other direction that believes that, that wherever there is sin, there is not the Catholic Church. And that is simply untrue. That is why we have the sacraments. That is why, you know... Anyway, again, I could go on and on and on and on and on. On about this, but I won't. Um, so I'll just get either of you two some concluding remarks because we're running um, very well, late. Look, I think you should give this essay a read. It's very short. It won't take you too long. It's an easy read. Um, it's he has a very very easy communicative flow to. He, I mean, it's almost like it's almost. It's. It, I mean, he was he was an amazing TV television communicator. And before that, and, radio and radio, and you can really see his skills coming out in his writing as well. Oh, so. Highly recommend you read it. It's called Scandal. Scandals. Um, I think it'd be excellent to end with how he ends it because he has an excellent way of wrapping things up. It's mm. just, Go I wish my time. essays ended like this. Okay, so this is right at the end. He says, It is not the world we have failed, but Christ. And in failing Christ, we failed the world. But we beg those of you who see our failings to remember how hard it is for us to be everything our Lord wants us to be. It is so easy to be a Democrat or a, Rep- a Republican or a... Uh, in- <laughs> quotation marks, cosmic unifier, but it is very hard to be a Catholic. Judge us not by our failings as you judge not art by the feeble scribbling of a child. Look rather to our artistic masterpieces, the saints, and there are countless armies of them in the world. We have hurt you by our failings and we beg your pardon, but we hurt our dear Lord more and we shall do penance. There are many of you who are scandalized by us, who, if you had the same infallible truth to guide you, the same divine Eucharist to nourish you daily, would be a thousand times better than we are. We ought to be better than we are. And here I touch on the only unhappiness that comes to us as Catholics, and believe me, it is very real. We are unhappy because we are not saints. Will you therefore pray for us? Thanks. God love you. I think that's a great place to end. Um, Next time... On Catholics Read, we'll be reading something. Something also, <laughs> something short. We should just stop bothering to try and tell people what we're going to be reading in the <laughs> yeah, next episode. Yeah. Something, and it will be short. So Mercifully short. We will uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.
That was an episode of Catholics Read from cradio.org.au.